0: You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat, and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one. back. Welcome back into the Skin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper and I will be your host this evening guiding you through our college football week six preview. And who better to join me tonight than the correspondent at large himself, Graham Haney. Graham, how are we doing tonight, ma'am?
1: Doing good, Hampton. I know something uh, is kind of crazy. I've seen you twice in the past like week and a half. I'll enjoy doing that. You know, you're in South Alabama, I'm in Nashville. Just those paths don't always cross very easy. But it's always good to see you, always good to chat with you. And uh, we do it every week, but it's just kind of more fun to do it in person. So that's the news of the week. I got to see Hampton Sipper twice. So if you're in the chat, go share Hampton Sipper some love.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And I mean, for most people, if you see me two times in a week, that would make your year. I mean. So I, uh, it was good seeing you too, Graham. I, pre- I appreciate it, and uh, we, had, we had a good time. That was why we weren't on last week is no. because crazy week at work, and then uh, me and my buddy Tyler went to the Miami Dolphins and Cincinnati Bengals game, made a pit stop in Nashville on that Wednesday night, and then kind of headed up on Thursday. So getting a pod in was almost near impossible. But we are back this week, and we're going to recap – the week five of college football, give a few takeaways on that. Then we're going to talk about Tennessee versus LSU, Mississippi state versus Arkansas, Texas versus Oklahoma, FSU versus NC state, Auburn versus Georgia. And then quickly at the end, because we all know who we're going to pick Alabama versus Texas A&M. Forgot to put that one in the chat, Graham, but we'll give a quick little score prediction to end the show tonight. But I wanted to kick it to you real quick, man. Week five was fun. Kind of got into conference play. Alabama-Arkansas was a really fun game. Auburn-LSU was an entertaining one. Uh, Georgia went on the road to Mizzou, had a little bit of uh, turbulence, was down – they were down 10, was – what kind of grammar expert am I? They were down 10 in the fourth quarter, came back and won that game. What was your biggest takeaway? We do it every week from college football week five.
1: Yeah, my biggest takeaway: I'm going to the Big Twelve, which is something where uh, you know lots of teams are are leaving, coming into the Big Twelve. So I mean, lots of just turnover there. And I mean, a name that's really exploding on the coaching carousel is Lance Leipold at Kansas. I mean, I think my biggest takeaway is that uh, the best team in the Big Twelve is not a is not a, a power team. And by that, I mean, it's not a uh, dynasty program in Texas, in Oklahoma. Yeah, blue blood is the right word. Baylor, who won the Big 12 last year, it seems like a three-team race. And I mean, I might be speaking too early, but Kansas, Oklahoma State, TCU, those three teams have looked impressive Mm -hmm. for the first, uh, I guess, five weeks of college football. So, man, I think that's my biggest takeaway is that this is the year... Of the underdogs, I think that's you know kind of my biggest takeaway out of the Big Twelve. Lance Leipold is being rumored for every vacancy that's out there. TCU absolutely throttled Oklahoma. If you watched that game, it was it was honestly embarrassing that Brent Venables was coaching for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. The defense was non-existent. And so that meets up to a good matchup this week, where I think College Game Day is going to be there mm-hmm. for Kansas and TCU, both undefeated, both ranked. I mean, if you're the Big Twelve, I don't know if you're loving it or hating it, but the media's looking your way because of a team like Kansas, that is a basketball school, no doubt, performing well on the gridiron. So, man, I think that's the big takeaway with all the you know craziness going on in college football that Kansas. Kansas is undefeated, TCU is undefeated, and Oklahoma State is undefeated. Man, all these teams have exceeded the eye test, and I think that's kind of honestly all you can say about you know about college football through week five because a lot of teams haven't matched up with you know their best teams yet. Rivalry week hasn't come along, so man, I, I think that's just what you got to you know value in the first you know five weeks is the eye test and. You know, several teams have failed it. Oklahoma started off the year well, but had two bad weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, But Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas, taking over the Big 12. They will not miss Texas and Oklahoma as they transition to the SEC. Hampton, what's your big takeaway uh, from this past week in college football?
0: Well, I want to touch on the Big 12 really quick because I think that is an excellent point that you made about how the traditional blue blood programs in texas and oklahoma aren't at the front of the big 12 right now i mean they're i think i saw a stat. there are four big 12 matchups this weekend the only one featuring unranked teams is the red river shootout between texas and oklahoma i mean that is shocking i didn't have that on my bingo card Mm -hmm. going into the year but that's the beauty of college football Any program, anywhere, if you hire the right coach, if you develop and recruit good players, you can go to prominence. You can become a prominent program, become the storyline for the first half of the year. I mean, Kansas under Leipold, like you mentioned, I know they haven't beat anybody that's a juggernaut, but this is Kansas, guys. They were losing to FCS teams a couple years ago. And under Leipold and Jalen Daniels, who's been really impressive to start the year, they're 5 0. They're welcoming in a Sonny Dykes team um, in TCU that has also looked really good. I mean, Explosive. that Oklahoma TCU game, like you said, Graham, it was over by halftime. And but halftime, I'd say it was over by the end of the first quarter. It and, was, what was it like?
1: I mean, I think it was a halftime in every other game, and it was just the end of the mm-hmm. first quarter. That's how many points were like were scored. It was like 30 mm-hmm. something to 10, maybe. It was, I mean, it yeah, was honestly awesome well out from the beginning.
0: It was bad, and I think that game, especially Oklahoma's defensive performance, we all know Brent Venables can coach defense. Yes. To me, that shows how bad Lincoln Riley left the the defensive talent cupboard Mm -hmm. in Norman, Oklahoma, because that shouldn't happen no matter who they're playing. I mean, because Brent Venables at Clemson had an elite defense year after year after year, and they had good talent there, especially along the defensive front but never to like probably the level of an Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State type program. And for him to get embarrassed like that is very eye-opening and I think kind of speaks to uh, Lincoln Riley a little bit. But very impressed with the Big 12. Oklahoma State deserves some love too, Graham. Go on the road to Baylor, win 33-25. Spencer Sanders has really elevated his game to another level. He's playing really good to start off the year. So – couldn't agree with you more and thought that was an excellent takeaway by you on week five. My quick takeaway is I'm going to go down to the Southeastern Conference and talk about Ole Miss-Kentucky. thought that was a really interesting game. Really interesting game. So the spread on that was Ole Miss was favored by six, welcoming in Kentucky. And I was very surprised by that because I thought Kentucky was the better football team. I actually picked Kentucky. Yeah, due to them going on the swamp week two and winning that game in a game that I picked Florida to win coming off that Utah victory. And they came into Oxford and played a really good game. Levis, um, I thought, was a little bit uneven at times, especially with the O-line mm-hmm. not always holding up in protection. Um, he had a couple turnovers that proved to be very costly, one that honestly should have been a targeting call. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of that rule. Mm -hmm. But there's no doubt that he got targeted (laughs) on his first fumble. The second one, you got to get rid of the ball. You got to either step up or get rid of the ball in that situation. Not really an excuse for that. But Ole Miss's defense has been very impressive to start off the year. I don't think they're a top-ten unit in the country by any stretch of imagination. But they played that Kentucky run pretty stout, and they limited – the Kentucky vertical threat. Now, and Brown, who is a really impressive, true freshman, speed guy, good in the return game, good when you get the ball in his hands, get him some open space. Other than that, Ole Miss kind of stifled um, mm-hmm. that Kentucky offense, even with the return of Chris Rodriguez, who we texted pregame and talked about how big that was. Yeah, And I was very impressed with him. Ole Miss was able to run the ball in Kentucky. Well, and Jackson Dart made enough plays. Now, Shout out to my guy, the wizard. Who me and him joked. I mean, I think Jackson Dart half the passes he throws are interceptable balls. Yeah, I mean, like he he throws them right in the defense, and the, somehow he does not have he didn't have ten picks in that game. But he still, at times, he shows you that talent, that upside that he has. And I think kind of as the season goes along, that team could kind of get on a roll and be really dangerous when November comes around. So I think both those teams are very very good. Um, I real my opinion of either one hadn't really changed. Maybe Ole Miss has gone up a little bit in my eye. I still very much revere Kentucky. Yeah. Even though I don't, after that game, I don't think Kentucky has a chance to beat a Georgia type team, mm-hmm. just because I don't think they can attack vertically enough, especially with their O line issues. But really good game. It was a great way to kick off the opening slate at 11 a.m. And I think both teams have very bright, very bright futures. Um, kind of going down the middle stretch of the season. So with that, Graham, if we don't have anything else to recap for week five, let's look ahead to week six, man. Now, this weekend is a dang good slate. Now, last weekend was two, but there's some matchups on here that really are intriguing and can't wait to break them down with you. Let's start with Tennessee traveling to LSU playing at 11 a.m. Very interesting game. Tennessee's riding high; the hype train is on them, and LSU's coming off a win where they barely beat Auburn on the road, but still came down, came back from being down seventeen to nothing, and showed a lot of heart, showed some guts and some resiliency. What do you make of this grant, this game, Graham? Do you see um, the LSU Tigers getting a their big? Signature win under Brian Kelly, or do you think Tennessee kind of keeps the momentum going?
1: Yeah, I, I know that the you know game with Auburn was a a barn burner, was a close the whole way through, and you know some people are like, oh Auburn's so bad, but I do think it's a fairly good win in the fact that it was Brian Kelly's first true road test against another SEC program, and Auburn's not going to just you know bend, you know bend down and, and let you just take it from them. They're going to put up a fight, and they did. And so I, I think that was good momentum for LSU coming into this game. But I think the the biggest aspect of it is it's going to be an eleven a.m. kickoff, like you said, Hampton. I, I, we know that Death Valley in Baton Rouge is loud and crazy. Uh, come those you know seven o'clock kickoffs when it's dark and everybody has had uh, the day to get uh, the goods. The system. yeah, to get to get Liddy. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that if it was a nine o'clock game, I definitely think LSU would have a shot of winning it because it was at home. But I think with this 11 o'clock kick, I, I think Tennessee's going to be able to come out fast. And, uh, you know, me and you are both high on Tennessee. LSU has had bright moments, had bad moments. Their problem is they're not consistently even throughout. They're either really good or they're really bad. And so I just don't think that uh, LSU coming off a win like that against Auburn, where they had to kind of use more than they probably expected to, uh, to be able to take on a team like Kentucky and uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, um, and that high powered offense. That's not where LSU is strong. They're strong on defense. They want you to make it a one score game and then they'll have a chance. Um, and that's the players that Brian Kelly has. Uh, at LSU right now, don't know what what type of recruiting he wants to do, but you know Tennessee just has you know a lot of pieces that are dangerous for uh, LSU. I just think that's the key of the game. I think Hendon Hooker uh, at 11 a.m. is probably going to be better than uh, Jaden Daniels at uh, at 11 a.m. in Baton Rouge, but you never know. It, it is Death Valley, so anything can happen. Hampton, what do you think about that?
0: I agree with your analysis. Um, there are a few things that I kind of want to point out about this game that I think we need to keep in mind. Number one, I could see this being a trap game for Tennessee, and I say this because what what's next week? Alabama-Tennessee. Yeah. And I could see Tennessee peaking a little bit toward that game, and it kind of – this game, not catching them by surprise, but, I mean – It's college football. It's natural for some teams to kind of look ahead to an opponent. And Tennessee had beat Alabama in 15 years. So I could see that being a little bit of a factor. Mm. Now, beyond the external things that we can't really quantify or qualify, I do think it's interesting that LSU last week, they did beat Auburn. But I don't even think they amassed 250 yards of total offense. I mean, Jaden Daniels threw for, like, 80 yards. Yeah. Um, they didn't run the ball very effectively. I mean, they won that game because Auburn kept turning the ball over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Robbie Ashford threw for, like, 350 yards on this um, LSU defense, and they won because of turnovers. And I think Tennessee's offense is much better than Auburn's. Yeah, And I think they're going to be able to kind of get – a little momentum going into that matchup next week. I think they can exploit that LSU defense. And then for LSU on offense, Jane Daniels kind of came out of that game against Auburn hurt. He was a little hobbled. And you and I both know, Graham, if his legs are not available to him, he's not the same player. And even Mm -hmm. with his legs available to him, I don't think he's a top-tier quarterback in the SEC because he very much relies on – if something's not there to be able to scramble in, I don't think he can consistently beat you from within the pocket. So I don't think Tennessee's defense is stout. I don't think they're all that great. And LSU might have some success running the ball on them. But in the end, I think Tennessee's more talented. They had the better quarterback. And their offense will exploit that LSU defense. And I've got Tennessee in one closer than the experts think. Yeah. So, we both got Tennessee on this one. Yeah,
1: and you got to remember Tennessee's coming off a bye, a bye week, that so too. they're mm-hmm. going to be rested, they're going to be healthy, and I, I think that gives them the edge as well. LSU tough road opponent. Um but I just yeah. I think and like you said, we both agree on it. Tennessee has too many pieces on offense. Their schemes too good, and uh you know, if you can't really move the ball against Auburn, you're going to struggle against lots of other teams in the SEC. Um, Mm -hmm. But a win is a win, however you can take it. But uh, we think this one's going to go to Tennessee.
0: And I'm very – last note, I'm very interested to see if Cedric Tillman, the stud receiver from Tennessee, plays in this game. They Mm -hmm. didn't really need him against Florida. I mean, they still put up a bunch of of yards, a bunch of points against Florida without him, but he has a different dimension to that offense. So I'll be very curious to see if he suits up this week or they wait another week and get him back for that big Alabama game. Let's move on to, honestly, the most sneaky, interesting matchup of the weekend. Two teams we were very high on in the preseason who have kind of proved us right and kind of proved us wrong a little bit. Arkansas traveling to Starkville, Mississippi, to play the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Mississippi State coming off a win against Texas A&M where they dominated – Arkansas coming off a loss to Alabama where Jalen Milroe comes in the game and scores 35 points, and, I mean, you kind of leave that game. Alabama dominated for the majority of that game other than the third quarter. So, I'm very interested to see kind of how that Arkansas team bounces back and I know we did a whole reaction to that with our good friend Jimmy Stein from Locked on Bama and the Bama Insider at BamaOn3.com so if you haven't checked that episode out be sure to do so but Graham what do you make of this game man these are two teams we were high on like I mentioned coming into the year Mississippi State being our dark horse team do you think they get it done at home and give Arkansas surprisingly their third SEC loss
1: I think they do. I mean, short and simple. I think they do. Hampton, me and you, were both high on Arkansas uh, to begin the year, and they've got they've got good pieces, but the defense is concerning, and the fact that they're really awful against the pass. If they don't sack you, you're gonna make plays through like through the air. <laughs> and what does Mike Leach like to do? Throw the ball. So, man, I, I think it's a it's it's a really poor matchup for Arkansas. I think Mississippi State's a place where the defense is always underrated. If it's not, if if they're not, you know, winning elite games, then they're always gonna you know, underrate Mississippi State's defense. I, I think Mississippi State has this one, and the fact that uh, Arkansas is not good on the air, uh, not good in the air. You know, Will Rogers has had a, has had a good year so far, and uh, Mississippi State's three and zero at home. Just really put it to Texas A and M, who. Arkansas lost to the week before. I think there's a couple reasons for that,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: uh, you know I think mostly it's AM and survived a game they shouldn't have against Arkansas, and so they come in kind of coasting into Mississippi State into Starkville, and uh, Mike Leach and Mississippi State said, you know, we're we're big we're a big dog. We're ready to hunt. And uh, man, Texas A&M's offense is still awful, uh, but you know Mississippi State looked well. They they forced turnovers. They were able to score, you know, off of those turnovers and execute. You know, I think Will Rogers and uh, a Ufall connection and Ra Ra Thomas, a receiver for Mississippi State. I just think that might be too much for Arkansas. You know, we don't know if KJ Jefferson will play. I think coming off a concussion, and mm-hmm. you know, playing against a physical Alabama team, you know, like and getting beat the way that they that they did. Was kind of disheartening. I think. I think it's one of those where you know, not they're going to pout like their way into this game. But man, that last game was hurt. You know, you're still trying to recover in practice this week. So, whenever you're making it into uh, game prep for Mississippi State, you're still thinking about that ankle that might have gotten tweaked or that rib that got just a, a helmet to it right there. So, I think in Starkville, I got go to go Mississippi State. Hampton. We talked about them being one of these underdog teams that you know. They they could really prove us wrong, I think they have, and they've had mm-hmm. you know, favorable matchups. And Arkansas is just entering a tough stretch of games. They play A and M, they play Alabama, and uh, you know the, the off week seems to be Mississippi State. And Mississippi State is kind of playing their best ball right now.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I I would love to offer up a not so fast, my friend. A counterpoint, but I really can't, especially Mm -hmm. if KJ Jefferson doesn't play this game, Arkansas is simply not winning. Oh, no. And I think the only way Arkansas really does win this game, if he does play, is if he puts on that Superman cape and they run the ball very effectively because they are not effective enough in the passing game right now Mm -hmm. to go blow for blow for Mississippi State, especially – with the fact of you mentioned their defense, their defense has been pretty good to yeah. start off the year. I mean, they've been really good. The only blemish they have really is when they played LSU and they allowed, I think, two touchdowns and maybe a field goal in the fourth quarter. And a lot of that really didn't have to do with them and had to do with their offense going three and out six times in a row and then a muffed punt that gave LSU a short field and then they could never kind of get their win back under them at you know after that point. Mm-hmm. So I think they match up pretty well with Arkansas on defense. But then on their offense, I mean, Will Rogers, you know what I think of him. You know, I think he's a top five quarterback in the SEC. And he's looking at that Arkansas secondary. And he wants, you know, to, I mean, to roast that pig, man. I mean, yeah. he wants to roast that pig. And I think they're going to be able to. I think there's a lot of favorable matchups there, especially with Mike Leach coordinating that offense, but also they've been able to run the ball pretty effectively, too. I think they ran for about, like, 150 on A&M, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, they had success on the ground, so you pair that with the prolific passing attack they have, then they're just too much, especially at home. So give me Mississippi State, and, I mean, they're going to be – they play Alabama in two weeks. That's going to be a very interesting matchup in Tuscaloosa if they come – into that game with only one loss. So that's going to be the end of a tough four-game skid for Al- or schedule for Alabama. And uh, Mississippi State might look for an opportune time to pull an upset. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen, folks. But, um, they I mean, they're a really good team, and I think Mike Leach has done a good job in that program. Now, let's go rapid fire a little bit. So we broke down those two games. I think those are the two most interesting matches of the weekend. Let's talk Texas OU, Graham. Who do you have in this one?
1: I'm going with Texas. Dylan Gabriel got hurt in that TCU game. And bad. The, that bad, was yeah. a
0: rough hit, man. Yeah,
1: I mean, d- definitely the definition of targeting. He was sliding and got his head taken off. Um, so, if he's not playing for Oklahoma, that offense struggles and did struggle big time. Yeah. Um, I think that Quinn Ewers is you know, targeted to come back this week in the Red River showdown. And I think Texas will win because they're kind of getting out of the conversation. And that's one of those games where Sark has that good game plan and they're able to expose Oklahoma's defense, which is, you know, the, the pieces are there. The answers are there. It's easy to see. Um, and I, I think Texas is going to take it away. You know, last year, I think this was the the game where Oklahoma scored that you know rushing touchdown like that 35 yard rushing touchdown late uh, to go ahead and beat Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is Texas' game. I, I think that um, the matchup favors them if they can play uh, to their highest level. Um, Oklahoma's still a good team. Like we're not gonna we're not sitting here and saying they're you know very average. But without Dylan Gabriel. Uh, Oklahoma has some uh, question marks on offense. Give me Texas.
0: I disagree with you a little bit. I don't know if I would call Oklahoma a good team anymore, man. I mean, Kansas State beats you. And, I mean, I know they're kind of rounding the form a little bit with Adrian Martinez having a late career resurgence. Good for him. But TCU just absolutely embarrassing you like they did. I can't call you a good team, and I don't think Texas is elite. But I think, like you mentioned, Sark is a master game planner. He will be able to exploit that OU defense. I've got Texas by at least 10 points. I think this game's always kind of close, but I think they've got more talent and they've got more answers and can exploit the weaknesses of that OU defense and even their offense. So give me the Longhorns in this one. Next game we got on the docket, FSU Traveling. Tennessee State coming off a rough loss against Wake Forest at home. Graham, who do you have in this one?
1: Yeah, I, you know, NC State played a tough game against Clemson, um, but they're going home. So I've, I'm going to take NC State. Florida State's played fairly well this year, and Wake Forest is a good team. So is Clemson. So uh I think I got NC State. I think you know they're a little a little sour that game day was there on an away game and uh they upset Clemson last year. So I think they're gonna get back into form and NC State. I mean, I, their coaches and players are saying that's the best team that NC State will ever like ever has. Um really? yeah, that's what they've been saying. So um I gotta go with NC State. I think the home crowd's gonna make a difference. And uh I think this be the really you know not the first road test for Florida state. Cause they did play in new Orleans, but
0: you played know, Louisville on the road yeah, on Friday night. Yeah.
1: But if a Saturday night crowd of NC state Wolfpack fans, I got to go with NC state, but I think it's going to be a close one. I think the Florida state is, uh, not better than people, you know, give them credit for because so I think they've gotten enough credit, but mm-hmm. you know, Florida state's not a cakewalk and they weren't for Lake forest either. I mean, there was like a, you know, Wake Forest did kind of take over the game. I think NC State will do the same, but uh, don't expect to be a blowout by any means.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. I'd love to pick Florida State here. Um, I've been very impressed with the job Norvell has done this year. Jordan Travis has taken another step in his third year of starting, but I think that FSU is missing some guys on defense. Apparently two key contributors along that defensive front. I think that's going to hurt them. I'm not sure if they're back for this week or not. But I think NC State, like you said, have a sour taste in their mouth. After Clemson kind of dominated them uh, for the most part, was very much in control of that game. Behind the home crowd, Devin Leary, a quarterback, give me NC State. Auburn, Deep South's oldest rivalry, traveling to Athens, Georgia. Georgia coming off a very disappointing performance, really a disappointing two weeks where they've showed some chinks in the armor. That defense hasn't been all world like everybody thought. I mean, they look kind of beatable. Um, Missouri had a good game plan of kind of taking away the tight ends and making sets and have to make plays elsewhere. Um, and Georgia's O-line and running game are very much lacking. But they're coming home. They're welcoming in Auburn, who's limping into this game. I think their center said that they think they can dominate Georgia, which bold strategy there, Cotton. Hope it pays off for you. Don't want to give them any ammo. Yeah. I mean, you're in no position to talk, but I get – I'm speechless to even talk about why that center would say that. But here we are. So they're traveling in. Do you think Auburn has any chance to keep it within thirty?
1: They might can keep it within thirty because Georgia's. I mean, Georgia has really stalled on offense the past two weeks, and you know they they beat Kent State, and I don't really. I'm not really going to factor that game into much. Georgia has nothing to play for against Kent State. Kent State has everything to play for. Missouri is an SEC opponent, but Georgia's far more talented. Um,
0: Missouri's than, a bad football team. Yeah, they are I mean, a bad football team.
1: Yeah, you in the SEC, you expect good units with elite players. And Missouri has a few to say they're elite players is not probably true. Really good players, but their units on offense and defense are not good. No, I agree with you on that side. Um, But it was a night game uh, at Mizzou in Columbia. So you got to factor that in just a little bit. Um, But uh, this is kind of becoming not a rivalry anymore, in my opinion. Like it's been 20, it's been since 2017. Since Auburn beat Georgia, and so
0: and that was the second, or that was um the yeah the first time where they blew him out. That's right. Yep.
1: And so, I mean, you could make the argument for several other rivalries in the SEC, um, but I, I just think you know, not many people on Georgia's team or Auburn's team were around then. So the expectation is for Georgia to dominate Auburn, and I think they will. I don't think it's going to be a thirty-point blowout. I think Auburn probably covers that spread because that's a lot of points for an SEC team. You know, and Auburn is still an SEC program, um, and so I, I think Auburn makes enough plays to stay under the thirty-point you know, blowout. But I, Georgia is going to win this one handedly. Auburn doesn't have many weapons to you know, make Georgia fearful, but uh, Georgia is not playing their best football right now but there's Auburn. So you got to take the teams more talent in that aspect. So I'll take Georgia easily.
0: I got to give credit to where I heard this. And it was a clip on Twitter from crane and company and Blaine crane, but Joe Biden has a better chance of getting out of a fun house than Auburn does to keep this game close. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a great line and very true. Um, but Auburn does not match up well with Georgia. The only chance they have is maybe their opening script. They come out and Robbie Ashford makes a few plays with his legs. But overall, I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball consistently. I think defensively they don't uh, match up well with Georgia. I think Brock Bowers is going to have a heyday, have another signature game. And I think this might be – Brian Harsin's last stand, especially if it gets really ugly. I can see them firing him after this game. And then Auburn starts the head coach, search circus again. And I think Georgia is going to have a bad taste in their mouth after the performance they put on film the past two weeks. So give me Georgia in a blowout. Now, before we go, Alabama – Hosting Texas a this was supposed to be the game of the year. It was going to be really fun because of the Jimbo-Nick Saban feud in the offseason, but Alabama held up its end of the bargain. Jimbo, well, he did not. So, Graham, what's your score prediction? I know you're going to pick Alabama, even with Jalen Milrow playing or if it's Bryce Young playing. Give me a score prediction for this one, um, and maybe give me a player of the game. Make sure. it a little more
1: interesting. Yeah, you and Jimmy talked about this one very thoroughly, so I'm not gonna you know, you know, preach to the choir. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Alabama is going to be dominant on both sides. I'm going to go Alabama. Uh, let's go 45 to 17, 45 17. Alabama wins. I, I think that you know Texas A&M just still hasn't figured it out on offense, but I think a chain will make enough plays to get a And M in the end zone. And you know uh, Jimbo is going to use all of his you know bits and pieces of game planning to try and at least give Alabama some fits. Um, but I think Alabama's is re- going to return the favor in Bryant Denny. Um, man, I-, I think the the difference in the game is going to be Henry Toa Toa, and I think because that is A and M's offense is not good like we've been saying. But if Toa Toa can stop A chain from explosive plays. From you know breaking that thirty yard run stop let him get the first down stop him at twelve you know take the good angle stop him at twelve make him go the distance of the field and I think that you know is going to go through Toa Toa's you know his area because I I like Will Anderson I like Dallas Turner coming off the edge but I think like I said A Chain's going to be the one that's going to make plays for him and um, his big plays are going to make it to the second level so I think Toa Toa is going to have to come up big sure some big tackles and uh, that'll keep A and M uh, out of the end zone if he does that. What do you think, happened?
0: I've got Alabama 38-10. to I think even with Milrow at quarterback, I think they're too much. I think there's going to be an added level of motivation because of the offseason, back and forth. And I think a lot of them remember last year, and they have a bad taste in their mouth for how many of the star players played, including Will Anderson, who did not have a great game against Texas A&M. I'm very interested to see the type of adjustments Pete Golding makes against Jimbo. Because one thing last year that was exploited heavily was Jimbo would run his running back out of the backfield and force that outside linebacker, whether it be Will Anderson, whether it be Dallas Turner, to go into coverage on a running back. And they would just nickel and dime that to death. And then at one point, they got him matched up with Christian Harris and Calzada threw a dime down the field and had a big chunk play. So I'm interested to kind of see that chess match a little bit. But ultimately, I don't think their line's good. I don't think their quarterback play's been great. And other than A-Chain on that offense, I don't think they have a difference maker, beside maybe Evan Stewart, who has a lot of promise. But I don't think he has shown that he is this incredible receiver to this point. Then defensively, they're going to – Make Alabama th- throw the ball, make Jalen Milroe become a passer. But ultimately, I think he's going to be able to do enough through the passing game to really, really blow this game open. I'm hoping for a 59 to nothing 2014 mm-hmm. style yeah. blowout. I would love that. But I'm going to go 38 10. Alabama wins and they head in to Tennessee, 6 and 0 facing the Tennessee Volunteers. They will also be, it'll be 5 and 0 because they're going to have. You know they've had their bye week, yeah, and that game is going to be mighty, mighty interesting, especially if Bryce Young cannot play in that mm-hmm. game. But we'll talk about that next week, Graham. It was a pleasure having you join me tonight. To talk a little college football, week six. If this is your first time listening to the Pigskin Cafe? We appreciate you joining us so much. Please hit that subscribe button. Ooh, I butchered that. This subscribe button. Leave us a like, leave us a comment, and hit that notification bell. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, along with our social media platforms at the Pigskin Cafe, where you can see reels from our show, polls, and any other pertinent information that we have going on there. We will be back next week to recap week six. Graham, we're halfway through after this week. Can't believe it, but we'll be back to recap week six and look ahead to week seven. But the Pigskin Cafe is closed for now. Until next time, chew on that.